and welcome to this special episode by the London Dance Orchestra. And in the studio today, um, I'm going to be talking with singer Ian McKenzie. Hey Ian, how are you doing? Hello Robin, I'm good, how are you? I, I'm very well and um, yeah, for any of you who are listening to this for the first time, one of the we, we've just introduced who we are. So I'm the musical director of the London Dance Orchestra and Ian, you are the, the front man, the singer. I am the singer, yeah. What do you describe you, a crooner? You're a crooner? Yeah, swinger, swinger, crooner. <laughs> I mean, you know, balladeer. Balladeer. Whatever, whatever I need to be for, 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 for the appropriate tune that we're performing, you know. Great stuff. Wonderful punters of the Ritz. So we, 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 what we're going to actually focus on today, uh, one, one of the things that we, we do at the Ritz is we play a lot of Sinatra music. Um, for most people, obviously, in the world know Sinatra. They know the legacy of Sinatra. And there's probably been more documentaries made about Sinatra than we could possibly imagine. So we're not going to try and bore you with any of that, that now. But what really we want to do today is to talk about the things that make Sinatra special for us. And, and I guess the, the thing that really, when we started playing at the Ritz, uh, running our residency there on Fridays, was, was how amazing it is to, to play Sinatra songs that made his name so famous in the Ritz environment. What does it feel like singing like that, those Sinatra tunes for you at the Ritz? They, they fit perfectly. It goes across all generations. You know, people love love Sinatra so much that the Michael Bublé had, you know, had to had to reinvent um, a lot of Sinatra's stuff. You know, just because it's so popular and they, they they wanted new recordings of the music. You know, and it's it's the it's the great American songbook. But not only is it the great American songbook, it's also um, associated so much with with London, like a nightingale sang in Berkeley Square. Like, you know, um, there's so many songs that, that, you, that you think about London when you're singing them, like On the Street Where You Live from My Fair Lady. Well, let's listen to London by Night, which we recorded as a part of our studio album. And I think this song really conjures up some of that wonderful magic you experience when you're dining and listening to great songs like this. London by Night is a wonderful sight there's magic abroad in the air I'm often told that the streets turn to gold when the moon shines on circus and square deep in the dark that envelops the park there's romance in each cigarette glow yeah such a beautiful song isn't it and what more could you want of a of, of, a, of a beautiful tune about about london at the ritz you know that's the that's exactly what you want to hear Absolutely, because I guess there is, there is a, obviously there is a dance floor and there's the sort of the ballroom elements of the Ritz where people can, you know, they can do their Viennese waltz if they want, they can do the foxtrots, there's all kinds of dance routines that you can, that accompany some of this music. It's one of the only places I can, I can think of where you can actually go and have dinner and properly dance to a proper live band. So let's go back to Sinatra. So I'm, I, I mean, we obviously prepared a playlist today of some of the, some of your favourite songs. I mean, what? If we go back, when was the first time you heard? When do you remember hearing Sinatra for the first time? It's really clear to me because uh, it was from my mum's record collection when I was really young, when I was maybe uh, 10. 
Um, I was re I was quite into Elvis Presley at the time. Every Saturday morning, you used to have an Elvis movie on the TV. Do you remember that? And it's like we used to uh, used to be into into old school music. I don't know why, but 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 then when I found my mum's record collection, the vinyl collection, she had three albums in her in her collection, and they're all by the same person, Frank Sinatra. And I went, oh, this looks interesting, you know. Um, and um, so it was Sinatra, Basie, Come Dance with Me. Um, which is the Billy May, which is Sinatra's biggest selling album of all time, actually, capital mm -hmm. album. And then there was um, Ring-a-Ding-Ding, -ding, which is, uh, is is his first album on reprise. And uh, oh, that, that was just, as soon as I heard those those uh, those albums, I was, I was absolutely in love with the big band sound and with his cool, laid-back, um, swinging vocals, you know. In the still of the night as I gaze out of my window At the moon in its flight My thoughts all stray to you In the still of the night While the world is in slumber Or the times without number Baby, when I say to you, do you love me as I love you? Yeah, it was, I mean, just listening to some of those orchestrations, um, whether it's Nelson Riddle, Billy May, but they, they are, they're so, they're like works of art, aren't they? They are so complete in terms of all the components that go into making brilliant orchestrations, brilliant sounds, bit pumping rhythm sections. Um, it's It's got a, a, they really have, whatever happened, all the elements. And I guess Sinatra fitted like a glove in, in, in a, a com, the com core piece of the front of that band in the sound, the way that his voice... I mean, if we just talk about his voice just, you know, quickly, I mean, I think when he had his time with the Tommy Dorsey band, they said his voice... They likened his voice to kind of almost like the same range of a tenor trombone, and obviously Tommy was a, was a trombonist as well. But, I mean, do you, think, do, you, do you think that's correct? Do you think there is a sort of range in the way that he projects? I do, and I think that he, <clears throat> I think he learnt a lot from. Well, he said he said that he learnt a lot from being in to the Tommy Dorsey band, and he said that he learnt how to breathe from Tommy Dorsey, mm. um, which is, I mean, I think the trombone actually is is the only instrument, or is the closest instrument to the human voice anyway, because because of the fact that it's it that, that you know there's no individual notes, it's a sliding scale, you know, and so you can you can pitch it exactly how you want to pitch it. Um, and um, yeah, he, he, he definitely phrases like Tommy Dorsey. You know, he picked he def picked that up so 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 much of Tommy Dorsey's phrasing. So there's there's a kind of symbiotic relationship, isn't there, between the way Sinatra phrases as an instrumentalist, and then you have the kind of the the legacy of the big band era, the dance bands from the Second World War period. So like the Tommy Dorsey and the and the. Um, Harry James and other bands like that, who are Glenn Miller, for example, the big one, um, the or Cy Oliver, any any of those dance bands of that period. So he was he was really coming out that post Second World War era, right? That's where that came together. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 the thing the thing was that I think that he grew he grew great respect 
for because um, back in those days, back in those days, it was actually the band leader who was the star, not the singer. You know, so so Benny Goodman, you know, and 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 like you say, Glenn Miller, they were the stars. Tommy Dorsey, the singers were kind of just beginning to rise as as stars. So whenever you hear a big band tune from those from the 40s, it's not the singer who sings first; it's the band that plays first, and then the singers would trot on, do one chorus, and then trot off, and the band would finish. You know, um, and so he's got he had a he had a built-in just just from. Um, Growing up in, and and learning music from that era, he 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 was automatically kind of part became part of the arrangements rather than being just a singer who's on top of the arrangements. So he had a real respect, I think, for the arrangers, for the writers. There was a real there was a there was obviously a, a contentious contentious issue between Tommy Dorsey and Frank Sinatra. Obviously, if you if you you read the biographies, because to, uh, Frank Sinatra famously wanted to come out of the contract, but. It was it was never going to be an easy fit, was it? With with the kind of the emerging power and the might of Sinatra and his legendary status, and starting to get you know access and, and visibility on the on the silver screen as well. He was getting movie deals. Tommy Dorsey was never going to keep him down. That, like I say, he was. It was the the, the, the singers were becoming the stars more than the, the the band leaders suddenly, and so that might that I think that was very difficult for Tommy to because yeah. it was kind of I made I made you now you now you're going to leave me. You know, it's yeah. like. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's the age-old band thing, isn't it? You know, where 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 they uh, where, where where there's a struggle of, uh, of personality or whatever. You know, it's yeah. But the London Dance Orchestra are an exception to that. We all we all we're like we're like a very close fat. We're all a very close family. And um, let's let's have another musical interlude. What what would you like me to play up next? So yeah, this is from um, the first track from the first album I ever listened to from my mum's collection. Um, the Sinatra Basie, an historical mu musical first in 1962. Uh, this is Neil Hefty's arrangement of Pennies from Heaven. Every time it rains, it rains. Pennies from heaven. Don't you know each cloud contains pennies from heaven? You'll find your fortunes falling all over the town. Be sure that your umbrella is upside down. Trade them for a package of sunshine and flowers. Yeah, the relationship between if Count Basie and Frank Sinatra is something, isn't it? I mean, uh, you know, if you if anyone hasn't heard the the Live at the Sands album just to give you an a, an idea of what that sounded like when when Sinatra had that residence in Vegas and 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 Basie's band I mean ah it's incredible and and that song is all about that isn't it it's just you can pick up all those nuances I mean it's actually really jazzy compared to uh True. compared to Sinatra's other albums you know because this was this was um suddenly we we are moving into uh the repri the reprise years reprise reprise however um and um uh Sinatra was started his own record label um, and so he had the choice of who he well he always kind of had the choice anyway I mean all of his albums um, he, he, he chose the, the material for and and kind of chose the theme for previously but uh, when he when he actually had the power to hire whatever and however much he wanted to spend you know on on uh, on, on the bands he, he started to do uh, to do what he wanted and, and Cab Basie was 
big, big jazz star. Everyone wanted to record with Count Basie, and everyone did record. Any, any, any great singers all, all recorded albums with Count Basie, and um, and Frank did three as well, and um, and this was his first. Um, and it's really and and su such great jazz solos in it as well as as well as great arrangements, you know. Because this is, I guess, this is one of the things that you you will see when you do come see the London Dance Orchestra at the Ritz is that you you have that interplay between the vocals, you, and the band. You know where we sort of we have we play those some of those famous arrangements, which has, has become the backbone of the songs. You know, where, for example, "Fly Me to the Moon," where you know we, you just there's a definitive sound that you want to hear and, and the instrumentals that play. But there is that fun on the stage, isn't there? And and, and Sinatra was someone who, uh, you know, I don't know if he played another instrument in his in his early years, but he he understood the language and the vocabulary of how to interact. So it wasn't there was and probably that was through him working the dance band with Tommy Dorsey and others that he understood the kind of the etiquette around working with the 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 sort of the the music musical language that you needed to play in a large ensemble yeah absolutely it's the core it's, it's call and response isn't it and it's interaction like you say um, and uh, you know whether it's whether it's between him and um, and Bill Miller or whatever you know uh, doing a colavoce introduction that's that's uh, setting up the song beautifully or whether it's Cootie Williams playing trumpet behind him, singing, you know, little obligato, obligato lines or whatever. It's it's all about the space that they give each other and uh, and and the conversation, musical conversation, and it's fun. It's fun. It's swinging, and it's uh, and, and and it's perfect in its in its uh, architecture, really. Here's a little. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot now. I said I wouldn't do this, but I'm going to try. Um, I'm going to play you. Uh, well, I'm going to play our tune that we put together, which was "Fly Me to the Moon." It's probably one of the most famous tunes that everyone associates with Sinatra. Here is our studio version of that, which we, you will hear at the Ritz as well. But I love the way that Sinatra at the Sands with Count Basie introduces this. And I think you possibly know what he says at the beginning of it. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I'll tell you what, you just make anything. I'm going to play the track and you're going to have to introduce it. Here we go. How did all these people get in my room? <laughs> Is it that one? Something like that. We're going to take you up, up and away to the moon and beyond. Fly me to the moon. Let me play, play among the stars. Let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. In other words, Hold my hand In other words Darling, kiss me Fill my heart with song Let me sing forevermore You are all I long for All I worship and adore Please be true Well, in other words I love you Yeah
song Let me swing forevermore You are all I long for All I worship and adore In other words, please be true That's a lot of fun. I can't. I, I can't say. I can't tell you when I when we were putting that together and um, and recording all the different trombone parts and the muted trumpet parts and the reed parts. Uh, I mean, it, it was just so much fun. So infectious just to hear that. You know, it's 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 just toe tapping, isn't it? It's like this is one of the things. It's like so. If I go back to my, I mean, you know, sure, I grew up in a in a house where we had lots of the sort of the heritage classics, the Bing Crosby's, the Nat King Cole, the Sinatra records. But did I consciously connect to it? And then I remember being at college and having that album, Songs for Swinging Lovers, and just, I could not put it down. I could not stop playing that record. It just, and something, even though I'd, to that point, I'd been listening to everything else contemporary, everything else, you know, all the stuff that was coming out of the, you know, 90s at the time. But that album, really, I just couldn't put it down. It was something so infectious. And I think it's this, I think it's the, the, if you break it down, there's lots of the swing elements that come into it, the toe tapping side of it, because rhythm plays such a big part. Because if you look at some of the balladeers, if we look at like the, the, crooner, the crooners across the board, tempo and rhythm does it can fluctuate can't it it can be very like we go at this pace of the singer the singer sings and the band just tiptoe and follow and there is that kind of understanding of of it being much more free with rhythm whereas there's no doubt about it in these tunes and some of those arrangements those big sinatra classics that the rhythm is the absolute backbone and probably why the bassy sinatra collaboration works so well yeah i mean absolutely i mean the, the interaction, like you say, it's like uh, the, 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 the time is, is king and it just takes, it takes the song. Um, it allows Frank to be able to be free on top and to conversationalize the lyric and it allows Count Basie just to occasionally plonk in a little cling in the background um, just where Frank's left gaps. Um, uh, and and it la- allows allows them to all slot in together when they really want to, like that big, you know. Suddenly everyone comes in, and 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 the other things that 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 um, Sinatra uh, basic Sands album, which that uh, the Flying to the Moon arrangements from, was Quincy Jones, of course, the arranger on that. And so it's just quality quality arrangers arrangements. Quincy Jones went on to work with Michael Jackson and to do Thriller and all, all that stuff and he's still he's still picking people up like Jacob Collier today you know mm. um, so he, he it's it's proper proper quality it's a really good point yeah and I mean he could he literally could command the best the creme de la creme in, the, in America at the time he could work with the very the biggest names it's an interesting connection actually with Quincy Jones actually about you forget that he was the arranger behind that and then you look at his history and his career since then and working right up to today with 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 some great names one of the one of one moving on a little bit was the, um, what I love about Sinatra is this playful sense now we know about the Rat Pack we know about Las Vegas and we know about the kind of so 
Sammy Davis Jr. and Dean Martin days. And that that really brought to the forefront his comedic personality. But clearly he was he he did have that lightness and that comedy about him. And I definitely I enjoy I certainly you know, we have a lot of fun in the band when we're doing our gigs at the Ritz. We kind of that the banter and the fun that we have when we connect with the audience and between ourselves is a really key part of the performance. But can you say a bit about that? Because I know that one of the songs you've selected, I think, is such a great example of that sort of fun, fun elements Sinatra. Yeah, I mean, um, the, 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 the Rat Pack were... The, I mean, the Rat Pack originally weren't just the three of them. There was a, there was a big bunch of them, you know, a big bunch of, uh, of singers and actors that were hanging out in Vegas. And I think it might have even been Humphrey, Humphrey Bogart. I might have got this wrong, but I think Humphrey Bogart was one of the original Rat Packs. And, uh, and, and Lauren, I think it was Lauren Bacall, who um, just sort of said when they came in, ha- having been a, a night on the tiles, you know, they just she just said, "You, uh, you're, you're some rat pack," you know, as they mm-hmm. walked through the door, or whatever, and that kind of stuck. But um, yeah, the the the, the main um, the main three, obviously Frank, Dean, and Sammy, were um, were 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 legendary in Vegas, and and obviously, you know, with the uh, with the. Um, interaction that they had and the fun that they had on stage. This was something that's that's become, um, you know, something that the people have copied have copied the world over now. You know, having having three people do, do, do batting off each other's uh, jokes and ideas and stuff and songs. Which song would you commonly associate with the frat pack? So the one song that I think I would associate with uh, with Vegas at the time would be that opening number from. Sinatra at the Sands, and that's Come Fly With Me. The Sands is proud to present a wonderful new show, A Man and His Music. The music of Count Basie and his great band. And the man is Frank Sinatra. people get in my room come fly with me we'll fly we'll fly away if you can use some exotic booze there's a bar in far bombay yeah i mean you come can on, you can hear the sort of the power of that band as well away. i mean you know you just you sense such a great live recording. You sense the audience. You sense the the epicness of the bassy sound. I mean, you just can't. If 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 you have never heard a big band perform, um, to hear the ranks of the the four trombones and the five trumpets and the four reeds. I mean, and the full pumping rhythm section. It's it's quite a thing, isn't it? It's just it produces such a, a huge sound. It's like a wall of sound, and to be and to, and actually, you know, to be standing in front of that sound. And, and to sing in front of a, a, a big band is one of the biggest joys and privileges, I think, that uh, to, that, that I that I have being a singer. You know, um, what what we do with the London Dance Orchestra is that that you, you and uh, yeah, between you and Jamie doing the arrangements, we have these um, um, 
this this fantastic ability to make that same, really try and emulate that sound of a full big band just with six of us. Yeah, it's quite. It's definitely something that's um, not not an easy task, which is to sort of reduce down the, the, those big arrangements and to, but also to be able to convey and pack what the lines are meant to be doing, the phrasing, the horn phrasing, the phrasing in the trumpets. So uh, yeah, it's quite a, it's quite an art to be able to actually get the arrangements reduced into the point where all the most important lines are in the tapestry of the, of the arrangement because um, people know those lines it's not they're not it's not like um it's not like uh, you know unnecessary parts of the song these this the arrangements and those little trumpet lines or whatever or the trombone soli sections are so recognizable parts of these songs you know can we talk a little bit about some of the um like different musical genres that Sinatra moved through as well because I mean there was obviously a a strong connection with uh, Latin America obviously being in the States you know and the sort of the the trading between the two and um, musically there was a lot of cross-pollination going on Um, could you perhaps I know notice the next tune on your list is with Antonio Carlos Jobim I mean could you tell me a little bit about that that choice and um, and how that came about the thing about Sinatra is we take you tend to associate Sinatra with um with either roaring big band, swinging big band, um, or you might associate him with um, string or, or orchestral string arrangements that are that are heart wrenching ballads. So you might associate you might associate him with torch songs like "One for My Baby" or uh, "Angel Eyes." Um, but when I heard this album for the first time, I really, really. Uh, associated with it myself just because I love Latin American music. I was, when I was very young, I was brought, I was brought up in the West Indies for, for the beginning of my life. And, uh, and so I, I kind of, I, I love that, uh, the love steel band and soccer music and this sort of thing. Um, but, uh, but to hear Sinatra melding with beautiful Klaus Ogerman string orchestrations and this Latin American, um, vibe was just such a joy and uh, and and this album is i think it's actually literally just called sinatra yobin whenever skies look gray to me and trouble begins to brew whenever the winter Become too strong. I concentrate on you. When fortune cries nay, nay to me, people declare you're through. Whenever the blues become. Yeah, listening to that makes you also realise the potency of the lyrics that were used in some of these songs. And and Sinatra, I suppose, as he as he grew and got older, and that sort of he took that post-war generation through that period from the fifties up to you know the seventies, 
And and I guess on that journey with the people who were listening to his music, you know, experienced all the trials and tribulations that meet people in life, whether it's, you know, love, illness, all these sorts of things. Um, but it must be very powerful for you to to sing those songs and to connect with those lyrics. Yeah, I, I mean, again, Sinatra was very, very very specific about what songs he wanted to sing and what lyrics he wanted to sing and whether they whether he could associate with them or not and um uh, and I, I think that's so per pertinent you know to to only really really sing something if you can really feel it and 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 uh it, that song is is you know such a such a beautiful kind of torch song again but one of my one of my favorite lyricists of sinatra's was sammy khan um mm. And Sammy Khan, you know, uh, wrote um, things like Ring-a-Ding-Ding, actually. He wrote that specifically for Sinatra. He wrote quite a lot of stuff specifically for, for Sinatra um, because um, he, he kind of knew where Sinatra was coming from. He wrote All the Way um, from The Joker is Wild. Um, in fact, one of my, one of my prized possessions is, is a book um, that's... Uh, that's uh, got a poem in, in the front of it that that's, was written specifically for um, somebody and, and signed by Sammy Khan, um, and, it's, and it's his rhyming dictionary. This this wow. book and it's and it's great. It's, he's written this. I've got it here in front of me. I know you can't see it, um, the people who are listening, but uh, but it's called. Oh, wow. It's yeah. actually called the Songwriters Rhyming Dictionary, and yeah. it's got a um, it's got it's got a, a, a thing in the front where he's typed on Sammy Khan's own. Amazing. very own typewriter yeah. probably the one that wrote let it snow well I, I think what we can say to people who are listening to this is that you will bring that to the ritz the next time we're performing and they can come and request a, a, a viewing of that book yeah absolutely how about that absolutely <laughs> yeah i mean it's a um it's but the, the the interesting thing about sammy khan and and the way that he um he he he, he, he wrote that book the rhyming dictionary he said that there are certain certain lyrics that 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 don't don't sing you know certain, certain lyrics sing certain lyrics don't sing and so um it's a very very different thing from writing poetry it's a very different thing to write a song um and um and so working working with that in mind you know rhyming is and and the meaning of rhyming is is a completely different art he calls it being a lyrist rather than a mm. lyricist a lyricist interesting yeah. <laughs> Well, listen, let's go to another song. Um, I've, I actually wanted to go back to um, a track that we did in the studio. Um, another big Sinatra classic. It's I've Got You Under My Skin. Do you want to tell us anything about it? Well, again, I Got You Under My Skin. It's one of those songs that I, I, I never get bored of singing. It's, one, it's probably one of the, 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 the most commonly requested Sinatra songs. Probably the one that I've sung more than any other song. Um, it's it's Cole Porter. This arrangement is Nelson Riddle. Um, the trombone solo is completely a classic. Uh, you know, and the, and the build up build up of the trombones. Everything about this is perfection. I've got you under my skin. I've got you deep in the heart of me. So deep in my heart, you're really a part of me. I've got you under my skin. I tried so not to give in, 
Then I'd say to myself, this affair never could go so well. But why do I try to resist when, baby, I, I know so well that I've got you under my skin? I'd sacrifice anything, come what might, for the sake of having you near. In spite of a warning voice comes in the night that repeats, repeats in my ear. Don't you know, you fool, you never can win. Use your mentality, wake up to reality. But each time I do, just the thought of you makes me stop before I begin. Cause I've got you under my skin. Sacrifice anything, come what might, for the sake of having you near. In spite of that warning voice, comes in the night that repeats how it yells in my ear. Don't you know, you fool? Ain't no chance to win. Why not use your mentality? Wake up, get up to reality. Hey. Time I do, just the thought of you makes me stop just before I begin. Because I got you under my skin, and I like you under my skin. Have I got a copy of that? I really like that. <laughs> it's such a great tune, isn't it? Um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's. I think the 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 build up. I mean, the 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 dynamic growth in these songs as well. The way that it builds to that huge release. Um, yeah, sure. In modern dance music, we hear it all the time. Tension and release. It's a big thing. But when the you know this music has those big releases, and I think anyone again listening to these songs, the way they're performed, the way the band just kind of reach that summit in the song and just explode with that sound, uh, it's it's you're not going to forget that easily. You know, you're, you're there's a fantastic find... video on YouTube um, of this young lad listening to this music for the first time. He's never heard it. You know, he's a mm -hmm. he's a I think he's a young rapper and he uh, and someone recommends it and he just listens to it for the first time and you just 
you just see him with his headphones on and he and he's just gets so excited he can't believe how good it is mm. you know <laughs> it's the same thing it's exactly what you say um you know mu- music as in life is all about um yin and yang tension and release and 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 when it's done really well you just can't deny how you know it's greatness fantastic let's um let's we're sort of coming towards the end of this uh this this uh podcast um we've got a couple more songs on your list um where, where would you like me to go now with with your songs I, the, the next one i put on was from um from the film high society which i just love um sinatra and bing crosby grace kelly of course the, the amazing grace kelly and and louis armstrong's little, little appearances in it as well mm. um again it's cole porter um but this is a duet um with frank and bing crosby This is Well Did You Ever. I have heard among this clan You are called a forgotten man Is that what they're saying? Well, did you ever? What a swell party this is And have you heard the story of Boy, a girl unrequited love. Sounds like pure soap opera. I may cry. Tune in tomorrow. What a swell party this is. What frails, what frocks, what broads, what furs, what rugs. They're beautiful. Why, I've never seen such gaiety. Neither did I. It's all just too, too excuse, really. This French champagne domestic. So good for the brand. That's what I was gonna say. You know, you're a brilliant fellow. Thank you. Pick up, Jack. Ah, please don't eat that glass, my friend. Have you heard about dear Blanche? Got run down by an avalanche. No. Don't worry, she's a game girl, you know. Got up and finished for. Kids got guts. Having a nice time? Grab a line. Have you heard that Mimsy star? Oh, what now? She got pinched in the Astor bar. Sauced again, eh? She was stoned. Well, did you ever? Never. What a swell party this is. Oh, that's just... I mean, he was such a great actor as well. That's the thing. And I think that's that's that you have to be to um, to be able to deliver these these lyrics with sincerity. Um, and there, there he was acting drunk, of course, which is great. Mm-hmm. It's just such a such a great scene that. Uh, along with Dean Martin, who was obviously famously teetotal, but was also an excellent acting drunk as well. Yes. He had that down. Um, I, what I love about hearing that as well is it just it brings back, washes back all that lovely nostalgia and those memories of all those fantastic MGM movies, you know, whether it's Wizard of Oz or, you know, it's just, it brings back that that world, that wonderful world where in our in our youth, you know, listen, you know just being listening and watching those great movies. And, and of course, the silver screen was a huge part of, of that period of time the 50s onwards i think um and sinatra was very much synonymous with uh, with that this is what made this is what made them, him such a such a superstar was because he was um he was an all-rounder um and and no one could match him on all levels really you know so as we go further uh, we've got two more songs left on the playlist um can you tell us a bit about all the way um and why you chose this song well all the way is again it's a, it's a sammy khan jimmy van houston tune um, I love the lyrics of this song. It's uh, from The Joker is Wild and, um, and this is Nelson Riddle's arrangement. I, I, it was my granddad's favourite song, actually, and, uh, and it just really, really means a lot to me because I, uh, on my granddad's 100th birthday, 
um, I, I got the chance to sing this song to my granddad at Ronnie Scott's. Just one quick question. What was the secret to your dad, your granddad living to 100? Did... Little, and, little and often, he used to say. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, let's hear it. When somebody loves you, it's no good unless he loves you. All the way Happy to be near you When you need someone to cheer you All the way Taller than the tallest tree is That's how it's got to feel Deeper than the deep blue seas That's how deep it goes If it's real When somebody needs you Beautiful. It's no good What a beautiful song, absolutely. Um, so I guess what do we say at the end of this this really special podcast? Um, it's been lovely chatting in. It's always a pleasure working with you as well. Um, Likewise. And I guess anyone coming to the Ritz to hear the, the London Dance Orchestra perform with with you singing, what what can you say? What what are they what are they going to expect as, as an evening at the Ritz? Well, we don't just do Sinatra. <laughs> it might <laughs> sound like we just do Sinatra, but we, we what we do is we, we we cater, I think, for for everybody that wants to to capture the Ritz, the the the, the, the style and the and the. Um, and the feel of the Ritz, um, it's 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 classic. It's basically classic, um, and and we, we we perform classic music with real quality and style. Lovely talking to you, Ian. Cheers, Robin. Way down among Brazilians, coffee beans grow by the billions, so they've got to find those extra cups to fill. They've got an awful lot of coffee in Brazil. You can't get cherry soda Cause they've got to fill that quota And the way things are I'll bet they never will They've got a zillion tons of coffee in Brazil No tea or tomato juice You'll see No potato juice Cause the planters down in Santa's All say no, no, no the politician's daughter was accused of drinking water and was fined a great big $50 bill. They've got an awful lot of coffee in Brazil. And you've been listening to a London Dance Orchestra podcast special presented by myself, Robin Harris, featuring our guest in the studio today, Ian McKenzie. Till next time. <laughs>